I'm kind of obsessed with friendship. I don't feel like I'm very good at it. I either go too hard too fast or I keep people at arm's length for years. I never feel like I can truly relax. The past couple of years I've been wading through the aftermath of uh, a really big friendship and I've been trying to find models, rules, a map because people talk about love all the time but they don't talk about friendship nearly enough. The other week I thought I would go to the biggest friendship I know of in poetry and I borrowed this book called Words in Air which is the complete correspondence between Robert Lowell and Elizabeth Bishop. I started leaping through the letters looking for clues. I found this story that really changed my understanding of who these two people were as poets and as people. When Bishop and Lowell first start corresponding, she's 36, he's just turned 30. They'd just been introduced by their mutual friend, Randall Jarrell, and Bishop says she was afraid of going to dinner with Jarrell and his wife, but she was even more afraid of meeting Lowell, and that she loved him at first sight. Bishop's the one who starts the correspondence, and this is after Lowell has just won a Guggenheim a fellowship from the American Academy of Arts and Letters, and the Pulitzer for Lord Weary's Castle, which was his second book of poetry. May 12, 1947. Dear Mr. Lowell, I don't know how to get in touch with you now that Randall is away, but I should think this would reach you through Harcourt Brace. I just wanted to say that I think it is wonderful you have received the awards. I guess I'll just call them one, two, and three. Anyway, they are all very gratifying. May 23rd. 1947. Dear Miss Bishop, sorry to have missed dining with you yesterday and the time before and reading with you. I'm afraid that you have had a miserable winter. You are a marvellous writer and your note was about the only one that meant anything to me. So I'm wondering about the balance of power at this point because Bishop had published her first book, North and South, the year before and that was a prize winner but she'd have to wait until 56 when she reissued it with new poems to get her Pulitzer. But she also has a Guggenheim Fellowship at this stage, so I'm wondering, does she look up to this guy, even though he's quite a bit younger than she is? In his second letter, Lowell continues with the compliments, but he adds in a little critique. August 21st, 1947. Dear Elizabeth, you must be called that, I'm called Cal, but I won't explain why. None of the prototypes are flattering. Calvin, Caligula, Caliban, Calvin Coolidge, calligraphy with merciless irony. I'm glad you wrote me because it gives me an excuse to tell you how much I liked your New Yorker fish poem. Perhaps it's your best. 
Anyway, I felt very envious reading it. I'm a fisherman myself, but all my fish become symbols, alas. I question a little the word breast in the last four or five lines. A little too much in its context, perhaps, but I'm probably wrong. So even at the start, they're not afraid to point out what they see as flaws or weak spots in each other's poems, but that comes a lot more from Lowell's end than from Bishop's. Both of them, though, always include a line that suggests they're not sure whether their critique is valid. They probably have no idea what they're talking about. For Bishop, there is also this constant theme of indecisiveness when it comes to plans. She seems to have more freedom than she knows what to do with. September 22nd, 1947. Dear Cal, I don't remember whether I told you or not, but I'm going down to Key West as soon as possible to stay probably till sometime in January. At present, I think my reservation is for the 10th or 11th. I won't know for sure until later. I'd like to stay in Washington, probably the 8th and or 9th, maybe with a friend in Georgetown, maybe at a hotel. Can you recommend a moderately priced one? I love the idea of skipping TripAdvisor and going straight to LOL. <laughs> She's just so annoying. <laughs> just make up your mind. <laughs> Another big theme that runs throughout the letters is discussions of other writers' work. This letter comes when Lowell got his hands on William Carlos Williams' Patterson Book Two, and he was impressed. November 20th, 1947. I read the galleys of Patterson Book Two, much better than Book One even. The best poetry by an American, I'd say, after four readings. And I, I love this as well, the fact that exactly as it does now, for everyone, for poets, for everyone in the world, disaster looms over whatever it is that they're doing. December 8th, 1947. You know, when the next atom bombs fall, there won't be any more an inhabitable Atlantic coast in our lifetime, so you'd better hurry. Bishop is really expert at placing herself outside the centre. She's almost constantly travelling, and she really doesn't see herself as part of a school or a group or a movement. January 15, 1948. I guess I have liked to travel as much as I have because I have always felt isolated and have known so few of my contemporaries and nothing of intellectual life in New York or anywhere. Actually, it may be all to the good. I didn't think much of Jarrell's poem in the last Partisan Review, did you? Apparently, according to the notes in this letter, Bishop is referring to a poem called Money by Jarrell, and I have looked everywhere for this thing. It's nowhere online. There are no Randall Jarrell collections in the libraries here or in bookshops. So if you have this poem and you'd like to share it with me, I would love to hear from you. The letters also include instances like this one, an apology for something that happens off the page. And we just have to imagine the destruction. August 16th, 1948. Army, back to life. I'll write you a serious letter when I get back to Washington. You're an angel to put up with all my imbecility and bad behavior. I'm almost a new man thanks to you. Or is one ever? August 22nd, 1948. I do hope you had a good time in spite of all your troubles, because I did. I just hope I didn't get too teasing and opinionated which I guess I'm apt to do with any encouragement at all. So the correspondence is really steady. There aren't many gaps, especially at this early stage. 
but it does take them a little time to warm up to each other. At this point, they've been writing for about a year, and it takes that long before Bishop starts referring to Lowell as Dearest Cal. Lowell is the first to break the tradition of signing off with affectionately. In January 1949, he signs off, Well, lonely girl, good luck and love. The most thrilling thing about reading this book is the moments when a poem that has outlived both of these people appears as a work in progress. September 11, 1957. I've been furiously writing at poems and spent the whole blue and golden main days in my bedroom. There's one in a small voice that's fairly charmingly written, I hope, called Skunk Hour, not in your style, yet indebted a little to your armadillo. If I can get two short lines in a word, I'll mail it to you. Skunk Hour for Elizabeth Bishop. Nautilus Island's hermit heiress still lives through winter in her Spartan cottage. Her sheep still graze above the sea. Her son's a bishop. Her farmer is first selectman in our village. She is in her dotage. Thirsting for the hierarchic privacy of Queen Victoria's century, she buys up all the eyesores facing her shore and lets them fall. The season's ill. We've lost our summer millionaire who seemed to leap from an L.L. Bean catalogue. His nine-knot yawl was auctioned off to lobstermen. A red fox stain covers Blue Hill. And now our fairy decorator brightens his shop for fall. His fishnets filled with orange cork, orange his cobbler's bench and all. There is no money in his work. He'd rather marry. One dark night my Tudor Ford climbed the hill's skull I watched for love cars. Lights turned down, they lay together, hull to hull, where the graveyard shelves on the town. My mind's not right. A car radio bleats, love, oh careless love. I hear my ill spirit sob in each blood cell as if my hand were at its throat. I myself am hell. Nobody's here. Only skunks that search in the moonlight for a bite to eat. They march on their soles up Main Street, white stripes, moonstruck eyes, red fire, under the chalk dry and sparse fire of the Trinitarian Church. I stand on top of our back steps and breathe the rich air. A mother skunk, with her column of kittens, swills the garbage pail. She jabs her wedge head in a cup of sour cream, drops her ostrich tail, and will not scare. The, the, the rhyme scheme is crazy in it. Oh, you've read it already? Yeah. Oh, dude. Well, I, I went and read that article from The Atlantic where, I'm not sure if you read it, but it was basically someone was critiquing two separate biographies that had been written, one for Elizabeth and one for Robert. Yeah, yeah. And commenting that in both, they were a bit reductive in how they associated the the mental illnesses or the struggles that they went through and, and their, the, the adversities directly to the poetry. Whereas this person who was making the critique argued that it was in spite of that or in conjunction with that that created their creativity. Like the idea that Robert said that he wrote his best when he was in his manic periods, but then also admitted that he then had to go and edit everything afterwards because it was just probably just not drivel, but just like, you know, unstructured. Mm. Um, and so in it, they did reference Skunk Hour and Armadillo plus these other ones as well. The, the one she wrote about um, Robertson Crusoe. So sad, so sad. Like, there's a lot of sad poems these two are writing. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're a sad duo. <laughs> wow, okay. How's it going? Good. People came around. I'm tired. <laughs> How are you going? Uh, <laughs> sick. When Bishop reads life studies for the first time, her praise is strangely muted. August 30th, 1958. Dearest Cal, I've read through the book again, and really, it is very fine. I first read that as envy, but then later on in the letters, I found a more honest take. This was in 1972, when Bishop was basically begging Lowell not to publish his collection, The Dolphin, in the way that he had planned. And amongst other things, at this point, she says, in general, I deplore the confessional. However, when you wrote life studies, perhaps it was a necessary movement, and it helped make poetry more real, fresh, and immediate. But now, ye gods, anything goes, and I am so sick of poems about the students' mothers and fathers and sex lives and so on. But in amongst all the poetry triumphs and disagreements and failures, there are these moments when they plan to see each other, but then they put the plans on hold. There's a sense that seeing each other in person is something they'd really rather not do. March 30th, 1959. My dearest Elizabeth, I think the Brazil trip had better wait another year. My therapy, three days a week, is really doing great things, and I begin to hope that by this time next year, the knot inside me will be unsnarled. I do so want to live on into gray and white hairs still growing. All the battering of the last 10 years now seems to be paying off. The years go by, different contemporaries start to show up, and the portraits are not always flattering. April 7th, 1959. I'll read O'Hara. The other night, Ginsburg, Corso, and Olofsky came to call on me. As you know, our house, as Lizzie says, is nothing if not pretentious, planned to stun people. When they came in, they all took off their wet shoes and tiptoed upstairs. They are phony in a way because they have made a lot of publicity out of very little talent. But in another way, they are pathetic and doomed. How can you make a go for so long by reciting so-so verse to half-jeering swarms of college students? However, they are trying, I guess, to write poetry. There was an awful lot of subdued talk about their being friends and lovers. I think they'll die of TB. Ooft. I know. <laughs> Ooft. I don't like people. Fuck them. And of course, not all of their contemporaries make it. October 27, 1963. Have you read the posthumous poems by Sylvia Plath? They seem as good to me as Emily Dickinson at the moment. She's far better than Sexton or Seidel, and almost makes one feel at first reading that almost all other poetry is about nothing. Still, it's searingly extreme, a triumph by a hair that one almost wished had never come about. Five years later, Bishop writes, as she's packing to leave another place, the year before, a doctor had recommended twice that she and her partner Lotta separate. And then that year, after Lotta had flown to New York to be with Bishop, she overdosed on tranquilizers and died. January 9th, 1968. Dearest Cal, I'm still at the Hotel Canterbury, but packing up to move in about an hour. Perhaps you're back from Mexico by now. I can't remember now who it was you were going to visit. In fact, the last two or three months are all pretty confused and I can't remember the sequence of anything. 
One thing stands out. The best news I have had in several years, I think. Elizabeth and Anna, who I both called on the same day, both said, you are very well. I'm very happy about this. It is wonderful and makes me feel there is a little hope in the world after all. Go to work or clean up this mess. You don't have to spend any more time or even make any money this year. Skipping forward in time, after nearly 30 years of friendship, they have probably their biggest disagreement. Lowell has been working on this book called The Dolphin. And the book is based on paraphrased and versified letters from Lowell's wife, Elizabeth Hardwick. It's not flattering. And as I said before, Bishop is just begging him not to do this. She says, if you were any other poet, I certainly wouldn't attempt to say anything at all. I wouldn't think it was worth it. But because it is you, and I love you a lot, I feel I must tell you what I really think. I can't bear to have you publish something that I regret and that you might live to regret too. And further on in this very long letter, she says, The letters as you have used them present fearful problems. What's true, what isn't? How one can bear to witness such suffering and yet not know how much of it one needn't suffer with, how much has been made up, and so on. Lowell's response is a little dismissive. Lizzie's letters? I did not see them as slander, but as sympathetic. She is the poignance of the book, though that hardly makes it kinder to her. I could say the letters are cut, doctored, part fiction. I thought of it. The trouble is the letters make the book, I think. At least they make Lizzie real beyond my invention. I took out the worst things written against me so as not to give myself a case and seem self-pitying. I promise I'll do what I can to answer your piercing thoughts. He's crossed out objections. As far as I can tell, the dolphin is a footnote and having found a copy, <laughs> I can say that it is boring and the poems are difficult to read and yeah, they, they give me absolutely no pleasure at all. A few more years pass and we realise that Lowell has never really conquered this illness that he has been battling this whole time. Bishop writes a letter that she has written many times before. February 24th, 1976. Dear Cal, I'll just begin by saying that Frank has kept me informed about you all this time and of course I've been very distressed about you. He just now read me bits of your last letter over the telephone and I'm so glad you are home again and better. I hope and pray it holds, as my doctor here says. I'm enclosing the one and only villanelle of my life, written about six weeks ago. One art. The art of losing isn't hard to master. So many things seem filled with the intent to be lost, that their loss is no disaster. Lose something every day. Accept the fluster of lost door keys, the hour badly spent. The art of losing isn't hard to master. Then practice losing farther. 
losing faster, places and names, and where it was you meant to travel. None of these will bring disaster. I lost my mother's watch. And look, my last or next to last of three loved houses went. The art of losing isn't hard to master. I lost two cities, lovely ones. And, vaster, some realms I owned, two rivers, a continent. I miss them, but it wasn't a disaster. Even losing you, the joking voice, a gesture I love. I shan't have lied. It's evident the art of losing's not too hard to master, though it may look like, write it, like disaster. March 4, 1976. Your poem came to the right buyer, an aching subject, as the art even of losing must be. Your stoical humour persuades me that loss is an advantage. Or is it the form, each rhythm, rhyme and pause right? The last four lines are the triumph. Here the poet's voice rings out. You command your words. And then we come to the last letters and they're perfunctory. There aren't any farewells, as you'd expect, because they didn't know that these were the last letters they were going to write each other. Lowell is planning to live on into grey and white hairs after all. It's 1976 and Lowell has found it hard to put the finishing touches on his selected, but he's finally finished. September 4, 1976. My book is done. It's the opposite of yours. Bulky, rearranged, added to, deleted two months after submission. After reading Wilbur, I found myself musing in iambics, not meaning to. I spent days even trying rhyme. It was no marriage, rather more like parody, but fascinating. So fascinating that after a while, one would gladly ruin a poem just to complete the exercise. And when Bishop writes her last letter, again, it's about plans and travel and not having enough time. And just as Lowell did almost 20 years earlier, she asks not to see her friend in person. August 2nd, 1977. Dear Cal, I'm writing to you and to Mary this morning to say that I hope you'll understand if I say I'd rather you don't come to North Haven on the 10th or whenever. Day before yesterday and the day before that, seven in all guests left. And although I love them all, and we'd had a very nice time, it was just a bit too much. I've been feeling so sick, I really haven't been able to do anything except read and with seven guests cook all of July. I hope you'll understand when I say I must work and not break off for a little while. I haven't written anything for over a year and probably shan't again once NYU starts. Well, I'll see you in Cambridge or New York, and Elizabeth too in New York, and maybe in North Haven next summer if I can get back here again. With much love, Elizabeth. 1977 was the year that Lowell received the Gold Medal for Literature from the American Academy for Arts and Letters, but it was also the year that he had been hospitalised for congestive heart failure, and just over a month after Bishop wrote that letter, he died of a heart attack in a taxi coming back from Kennedy Airport into New York. Or find someone to sleep with tonight Keep in touch, write a letter or call me 
there's no one that you I stand on top of our back steps and breathe the rich air. A mother skunk with her column of kittens swills the garbage pail. She jabs her wedge head in a cup of sour cream, drops her ostrich tail, and will not scare. Three. That okay? Yep, that's good. I don't know how to read poems. <laughs> Why put the line breaks? Are you supposed to break on the line breaks? It's <laughs> annoying, isn't it? Just make a paragraph. All right, just make a paragraph. Um, yeah. Thoughts? Dreams? Uh, I, I read this and then afterwards I read their comment about the L sounds, like the, the, okay, there's all of them. Still, village, uh, by all, fall, hill, ill, like the Millionaire, And yeah. then halfway through I became very aware that my accent means that I lose all that, like my season's ill. Like it's such a soft L that I have, which maybe takes away from it, but. Oh, maybe. What, so what's up with the L sounds? I never noticed that. Uh, the comment they made was that it's, it's this very kind of, um, persistent, not dour, but like, like this like thrum that's going through the poem. Oh. Like the hill skull, uh, hull to hull, shells, love, love. Like there's a, the, what's the, what's that part of the mouth is that? What phonology? L, fricative, whatever. Um. The last piece of writing in the book is basically a draft. It's not complete. It's full of these false starts and erasures and things crossed out. It's Elizabeth Bishop writing about her friendship with Lowell and she says how she thinks of him when she feels like a poem is going bad, thinking he'd never let anything that weak get by him. But it's unfinished. It ends. His courage, kindness, increasing good manners, gentleness with his daughter, capacity for work. And then she just breaks off. Um, yeah. But I think it's really great that their bond, their friendship was so strong that, um, that Elizabeth would write something for Robert that he would reciprocate in similar stuff, but of their own. Like this is much more um, strongly um, structured, right? With you know, A B, yeah, the rhyme structure, and rhyme yeah. structure, yeah, as mm. compared to his, where he does have rhyme, but it's it's much more hidden. You've got um, like in every stanza, mm. you've got cottage going to dotage, you've mm. got um, all to fall, but like not not hard, like it's just kind of yeah. throughout kind of thing. Yeah, which probably you've done studies and stuff that'll tell you what that actually means. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah. Like, well, this, the season's ill. Four syllables, and then you get this second line, this many syllables to get to hill. What's going on here, mate? You're not counting right. As in, if each stanza has... Yeah, no, no. I I'm following, I was trying to figure out if there was something else between those, but I don't think there is. Look, fairy and Mary. And then this one here is right and night. So it's like almost the... F but this is here and here. So it's just inconsistent. He's basically gone like, okay, fine. I'll write rhyming, but I'll do it my way. You get one word somewhere. You've got to figure out what it is. Even like church, the Trinitarian church, I don't think it even, I think it's just March here in the middle of that one. Yeah. All right, final final thoughts on any anything else you wanted to say? Um, check me on Patreon. Mm. <laughs> Hit me up on Insta. <laughs>
I'm interested to see what, what the rest of the episode is, how you frame these, these quotes, these snippets, why have you picked those ones specifically, what you're talking about with this friendship. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know yet. Oh, really? <laughs> Find out. You, you've confidently just picked the material to use as the backbone without actually having the structure? Yeah, I feel like it, I can make something out of it. No, I kind of have an idea of mine.